podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Twisted Blue Productions, Twisted Blue presents. Productions presents Brutal Nation. Sorry. My name is Scott Alexander. I'm your host. And across from me is Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, everybody. All right. So you said that you have something special for me, and I'm hoping it, that it's one specific one that we were talking about. It is. This one is about Gwendolyn Graham and Kathy Wood. They um, are also known as known as the Lethal Lovers. Ooh, yes. This is the one. Yes. And the opening quote I selected for them is, a healthy relationship will never require you to sacrifice your friends, your dreams, or your dignity. And Mandy Hale said that. That's one of the uh, lethal lovers? No, or who she's is actually, that? A, I've, I found this looking, because I was looking for quotes from them, and there really wasn't any. I didn't think, that, yeah. I, that's why I was a little confused. I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't think it, either one of them was Hale's. No, um, this is a lady I found when I was searching for quotes, and I searched under toxic relationships. Oh, okay, no, yeah, very they're, appropriate. Yeah, their relationship was very toxic. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, um... I also wanted to come up with like a, you know, like a, you know how they have that blurb for on books and stuff, you know, that kind of give you a catch thing on the title, on the front cover. They'll say the title of the book and then it'll be like a blurb that says, oh my gosh, I have to read that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I put one finally found what she was desperately craving. The other is a pathological narcissist. But their relationship came with a steep price. That is very accurate. It is. When it comes to these girls. Cause it is. Now, you, as, as per what we agreed on, you couldn't tell me everything about Not it. Not everything, no. Just like, and uh, Tammy and I kind of have this weird unspoken rule that we give each other little snippets of these things. So, so that we can, like, process ourselves. Right. And yeah. uh, So I'm excited about this one. Yeah. Take it away, Tam. Okay, well, this is, and it's really hard. This one was a little difficult because remember we discussed it at first because we have we have days set up where we have you know that we focus on certain categories each right, day. Right, right. We have Medical Monday. We have Twisted Tuesday, which is you know uh, couples, pairs, and groups. Right. We have the would be and who done it Wednesdays, which is the child killer or the unsolved crimes. Correct. Then we have Thought-Provoking Thursday, which is people who don't fall into any category, really. Right. And then we have Fetish Fridays, which is the darkest days of them all. Right. And this one technically could have fallen into Medical Monday, Twisted Tuesday, and Fetish Friday. Holy cow. This one's going to be good. Yeah. I'm excited. And so this one was a little hard to do. So I... um. I started with, because I, I figured, normally I do bullet point outlines and stuff, but I figured I'd write this one out because there's two individuals and I'd be going back and forth so much. <laughs> but I'm going to start with Gwendolyn Graham and kind of talk about her early life. And then I'll go on to Kathy Wood and then I'll talk about their them as a couple. Um, so Gwendolyn Graham, and after extensive research, I found little information on her early life. Oh, wow. Um Actually, little information on either woman in this case. However, I was able to find out a little bit more about Graham. 
Um, she was born on August 6, 1963 in Santa Barbara, California. Um, I was able to find almost nothing about her family. But here's what I did find out. She was raised on a Texas farm um, by, by her parents, and she had at least one brother. According to her accounts, she endured a rather tragic childhood. Her parents were said to have believed that holding infants made them weak. So she didn't, to me, that says she didn't get the, she didn't receive any of the nurture part of her early development that is vital. No, that's very true. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, a joke that I'm always making whenever. Yeah, yeah, no. what, Every what? time I make a stupid right, comment go, or something. I go, what? Not enough hugs as a child? Yeah. And in this case here, it's, it's legit. Cause yeah. She obviously, you know, parents aren't giving her that emotional support that that every child needs. Exactly. Because my son's pediatrician told me that you cannot spoil a child by holding them within the first 12 months of their life. I, I honestly, I don't think that you can spoil a child ever by holding them throughout their entire life. Like my son and I, we still give each other hugs. Oh, and yeah. he's 18 years old, man. Yeah, and I'm not a huggy person, but occasionally, well, this is a sad part. I will hug my son, but he's like me. I usually, I used to have a tendency of licking the side of my mom's face. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I didn't get you know hugs growing I up. I think that we need to do a story about you. <laughs> that's our other show. Yeah, that's, <laughs> holy cow. I learned more and more about you the, no, the longer we work thing, together. You know, because... You know, my mom and I are really close, so I'd go to hug her and everything, and I'd hug her, and then I'd, as I'm pulling away, I'd lick the side of her face. Well, my son does that. And so it's like, I'm not a very huggy person anyways, but, you know. But anyways, so, let's see, weak. Therefore, she didn't, oh, I also said that already. She also made accusations towards her father, accusing her, him of abusing her both physically and sexually. Now, it has to be noted here that these claims have remained unsubstantiated and her father vehemently denies them. However, being a survivor of abuse myself, I won't dismiss them. No, I won't Because my, a couple of my abusers to this day deny it ever happened. Well, right. And you got to think about the abuser. You know, right. is anybody really going to be... Uh, especially when it comes to sex. Right. You know, be a, a sexual abuser to their own kid and turn around and go, yep, that was me. Yep. No, I molested my daughter her whole entire life. Yeah. You know, what's wrong type of thing? Nobody. Nobody's going to do that. Mm, yeah, most of them won't. Okay, I know yeah, one I'll guy go, who did, but yeah, no. Okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll recant that and go with very, very, yeah, very, very few. very few people yeah, but I, will own up to it. I agree did. with your whole statement there. But as a result of this abuse, she would find a sense of relief um, by burning herself with cigarettes or cutting herself with razors, which is common. Right. With, you know, people who suffer any sort of abuse growing now, what, up. Now, what, what year are we talking about here? Uh, she was born in 63. Okay. So this would have been early teens, so any about 75. Right. And the, the reason why I asked that is because things like um, self-mutilation, cutting and burning, mm -hmm. really didn't come to the forefront until about the mid-80s. Early 90s. Early 90s yeah. at the latest. And that's when uh, psychiatrists and psychologists and other medical professionals went, wow, hey, there's a problem because... You know, and at mm -hmm. first they thought it was mo it was all girls that did it, like guys didn't. Oh do yeah, it. no. 
and as they progressed, um, as the as the research and, and knowledge progressed, they realized, wow, girls report it, and we find out about them most of the time. Right, but guys do it but too. Guys do it too, and it's rarely reported. Yeah, exactly. Because what it is, because I when I worked with the youth and everything several years ago, we had a couple cutters. Um, and of course I won't mention their names, but they, we had a couple cutters that we dealt with and I asked them because I never understood it, you know, cause I hate, I had a very low pain tolerance at the time. And so, but they said, it's basically, you have so much pain inside of you that you have no way of expressing without repercussions. So actually cutting yourself is a way for you to control it. Yeah. And I, I was like, holy shit, that's deep. Actually, um, okay, so a little story about me. Let's learn something about Scott today. When I was growing up, because I was a very angry child, I was raised in a very abusive right. household, I would actually intentionally pick fights with guys twice my size, two or three guys at a time. Right. And knowing that you couldn't whoop their ass. Um, well, we won't go into that. That's that. <laughs> Not oh. I don't without tooting my own horn. I've right. I've won way more than I've lost. Oh well, there you go. Because I enjoyed the pain. Oh yeah. What happens when somebody gets hit? They go, "Holy cow! You broke my nose. You hit me. You know this hurts." And me, I was sitting there in my head going, "I actually like this." Yeah. And uh, that was how I released a lot of my pent up energy. Now, was it a more of a sense of you had control over that pain? I'm thinking about it. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just um, curious because, you know. Let's break that down real quick and then we'll get back onto the, to the yeah. story. I think this might help explain a lot of what's going on in this story. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, for me, it was control. That was That's A number one. But deep down inside, I think I deserved it. I think I deserved to be. Okay, so you felt you deserved it. Right. Okay. Because, I mean, uh, I, like I said, I was very physically and emotionally abusive. Yeah. And even though I knew it was wrong, it, uh, it, it filled a void right. in me. And I truly enjoyed the pain. Wow. Um, I got a pretty good pain tolerance most of the time. There's some things like if I step my toe, I'll admit I cry. I cry like a little girl who just had her barbie taken Don't away. we all, though? Oh, I mean, God, you hit your funny through. bone, and it ain't that funny. It, it, there ain't not damn thing funny about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no. No, I get it. So, yeah. And my pain tolerance has actually grown over the years because of all my multiple injuries and surgeries and stuff. Right. But back in the day, it's like, dude, I had a hang now. It's like, Bobby! <laughs> yeah, not me. I, uh, you know, much like uh, Graham, um, there were hugs in my house, but... Uh, I really didn't feel like I was allowed to express my Emotion. emotions and right. things like that without yeah. great repercussions. Yeah, because even though I grew up in an abusive household, too, my mother tried to buffer that by constantly telling us she loved us and hugging us and doing special things with us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, even though I still grew up thinking I didn't deserve stuff, you know, that I only deserved to be abused and then... You know, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, never again. But um, my mom tried to offset that. Well, a lot of mine, and I'm hoping that this plays into the story. I'm not quite sure, but we're going to try for it. Is that I was honestly told that I was kind of a piece of shit my entire life. And that wouldn't yeah. amount to anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind up in a gutter. And uh, and he's not. 
And uh, well, there's two ways you can take it. Honestly, you can either accept what people tell you. Yes. Or you know you can prove them wrong. You can prove them wrong. And I'm I'm that kid that you know it's almost like they looked at me and said, "Look, you can't have a cookie out of the cookie jar." Now I didn't want the goddamn cookie to begin with. Yeah. But now you told me I can't have it. And by golly, I'm gonna take oh, it. Oh, I'm gonna get that cookie no matter what. So I I'm might ho- not eat it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I'm gonna get it. No, I think it does play into this. Because of the dynamic of the relationships and the accusations that came out that, you know, it's convoluted. Uh, Right, right, right. So I hope that uh, helps explain some things. (laughs) Yeah, and I actually read an account regarding what she she referred to as a bizarre incident from her childhood. I myself found the incident, if it's true, to be more of a foreshadowing. Of events to come rather than a bizarre event. Apparently, she had a pet dog when she was younger that spooked a horse. Okay. Dogs do that. They do. It's common. Mm -hmm. It's not like... So her dad wanted to punish the dog. So he made her brother kill it. What? Yes. So her brother killed the dog and buried it. She then later... Dug up the dog's decomposing corpse, removed its teeth, and kept them in a little heart box. It's a little bit of a keepsake serial killer stuff going on. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I found, I didn't, like I said, I didn't find this story to be so much bizarre, but it is downright terrifying. It is. Because if you knew she did that, dude, you knew she needed help. Well, yeah, and, and as we know with, uh, historically, when it mm-hmm. comes to being sociopathic, it starts off with smaller creatures. Well, but yeah, but the thing is, is she didn't actually kill this animal herself. Right, but she went she back just to desecrate t- the body. She did, and she went back and collected a trophy. Yeah, and that's that's a you know yeah that's freaking huge right there. As you're right, that's totally foreshadowing of what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So she openly admits to being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and so I actually went and did the resort. Research and according to the National Institute of Mental Health, BPD, which is bipolar, I mean, borderline personality disorder, is an illness marked by ongoing patterns of varying moods, self image, and behavior that often result in impulsive actions and problems in relationships. Which would actually make sense based on the information you just gave me about childhood. Right. Which, you know, it would be her self image and stuff that caused her to you know, burn herself or seek right. out that pain. Well, because you got to think of it this way as well. You're going to school. You're hanging out with other kids, right? So, obviously, you're going over to your friend's house. And their living situation is nothing like Way yours. different. So, you're, yeah. you're seeing mom and dad, you know, hug their children right. like you should. I, I envied that in my friends. Yeah. You know, it, it th- things like that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're seeing this dynamic. Yeah. And you're going, wait a minute. What is wrong with me? Right. That, you know, and my brother, because she had a brother. And if yeah, there's not at a least lot of hugs, a brother. You know, what is wrong with us that we can't get this Right. It must be home? something we've done. Right. It's, it's something that we've done. And I think that is definitely a contributing factor to. I believe so, too. To the, to the path that she, uh, you know, made the choice. So I'm not saying, you know, and I, I hate when people try to kind of off put it like they didn't have a choice in what they did. This is a choice. She right. chose to kill people. Exactly. She did. 
Yeah. She made the choice. Just because you have borderline personality disorder or any other mental disorder does not automatically make you a killer. Right. Exactly. We need, I mean, that needs to be stressed because, you know, there's lots, there's lots of sociopaths out there and psychopaths that never kill anybody. Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. Yeah. So anyways, people, also people with borderline personality disorder may experience intense episodes of anger, depression, and anxiety that can last from just a few hours to several days. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And which explains why they almost, because I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and they're similar, but not quite the same. Right. And so, you know, um, which is why they tried to say I had borderline personality disorder, but I don't disassociate from people like sometimes I wonder. some borderline people do. Keep it up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> As I stab you in the eye. <laughs> no. You heard that. You heard that here, for folks, first. Yes. So if something happens to me. Yes. She also admits that she had or has an erotic asphyxiation fetish that comes into play a little later on. And that's where she would literally enjoy being choked or choking somebody during sex in right. order to gain uh more powerful orgasms. So, you know the first place that I actually heard about that in practical use and not just in school? The lead singer of In Excess. Didn't he die from he that? He died from autoerotic So did Carradine. David Carradine. He did? Yes. I think, I, okay. I, they found him in a hotel that. room. The same way as the lead singer for In Excess. Mm-hmm. They found him in a hotel room because he was um, practicing a little self-love. Yes. Uh, for lack of better words. Yes. And uh, one thing led to another. I think he did it like by hanging himself or I can't remember what it said. Yeah, because David Carradine was found with a belt wrapped around his neck. He was laying on the bed because he couldn't. He started losing, you know, consciousness and couldn't loosen it. Ooh, damn. Yeah, because they found him holding on to the belt and everything. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier about the worst way to go out. That's probably one of them. And I'd said in a porta potty. Yeah. I'm going to recant that. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to go out and have everybody know if that was my fetish. You know, I. Yeah, because that's almost a secret one. Yeah. Right. Um, I wouldn't want to go out that way having my friends have that piece of information. Right. If that was my deal. That would almost be as, almost as humiliating as dying on the toilet. You're right. right. Exactly. You know, yeah. because. It doesn't matter if you live in a small town or a huge one. The rumor bi- the rumor mill um, oh, really yeah. goes around quick, you know. And, like, for example, with me, uh, being in the local music scene, I'm in the public eye. I was going to say, even if you're not known, that'll, that'll make headline news. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. But I'll tell you what, the rumor mill would... Would pass around pretty quick. Oh, you very what much. What so. Scott? No, he was practicing self love, and belt got yeah. caught around his neck, and that's how he went. I don't want that. No. no, 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 not at all. So, anyways, she ended up moving to Michigan in her mid-teens. Now, there is no information on. I was not able to find any information on whether she moved there with her family, or if she ran away from home and ended up there. So we got three moves total, right? We got California. Yeah, she was born in California. They Texas. moved to Texas and had a farm. Okay, and, and now she's in Michigan. She's up in Michigan and she's how old? She it just says mid teens. Oh, okay. So I would assume anywhere from sixteen to eighteen. Yeah, fifteen 19. to eighteen, somewhere there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. 
And so um, in 1985, at the age of 22, she began working as a nurse's aide at the Alpine Manor Nursing Home in Walker, Michigan. Now, Walker is approximately, um, I have it on my phone here, so let me pull it up real quick, 10 miles kind of northwest of Grand Rapids. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know where on the hand that would be. Oh, God. Now we're not going to go with the back of the hand, right? <laughs> but anyways. Up in the youper? And I know. A youper. But anyways, it needs to be noted here that Alpine Nursing Home has since closed down. But there is a new nursing home up there called St. Mary's something. So. And then that's where she met Kathy Wood, who was her supervisor. Oh. Yeah. The plot thickens. No so kidding. I'm kind of excited about this one yeah. right now so kathy, i love it when you leave these little things out i know now kathy wood like i said if i even thought for a minute trying to find information on graham was difficult finding information on wood was nearly impossible so you realize so far the dynamic that them two have without you even going on yeah. is inappropriate right because one was a super it's it's called um it's a supervisor and a yeah subordinate. it's called fraternization yeah fraternization and that is that is frowned upon no matter where you work in any industry. what time frame. I mean, it's really frowned upon now because they say that, you know, the sexual harassment and the Me Too movements and everything else. However, even back then it was frowned upon because the supervisor tended to give their lover or whatever special treatment. That's what I was going to say. It's it's the hierarchy. Yes. Like if it's two regular... Employees. Co-workers, yes. Yeah, just co-workers. Nobody's going to balk. But exactly. now you're talking to somebody who's in a, a position of power, position of authority. Right. And they're they're dating and messing around, or and in this case, you're having an affair with a subordinate. Right. And that is already a recipe for disaster. It is. It is. And it's, even some places have it where you co-workers shouldn't even, can't even date right. publicly. I, I've seen a few places Unless like they that. sign disclosures or whatever. Yep. And I'm just like, holy shit. But anyways, um, she here's what I did find out about her. She was born on March 7th of 1962. She's So she's about a year and a few months older than Graham. Okay. And Still the same age bracket. Yeah. In 1979, at age 17, she found herself pregnant and marrying her baby daddy, Ken Wood. Oh, okay. Okay. She later claims that she allowed herself to get pregnant in order to escape an abusive childhood home. However, I couldn't find any more information about her early life to either confirm or deny this claim. I'm kind of on the fence, but more thinking she might be accurate because I can't mention the correlation of how I know this person. Right. But um, a friend of mine's mom... uh, Kind of did the same thing, but going on that she married her boyfriend that got her pregnant, mm-hmm. and they eventually had uh, the person that I know, and they were married for uh, 50 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, but uh, until he passed away. But um, So it was kind of the same thing, and, and her backstory is, it's, it's not a good backstory. Okay, that's, so that's, she wanted to get away. I think. From what I understand, it, that may have been part of it, but they wanted to get married. They were okay. tr- they were truly in love. Okay. I, w- I will say that. Uh, knowing uh, this person's parents, myself, mm-hmm. and hanging out with them for, uh, we're not talking one or two days. I 
you know, hung out with them for years. Right. Um, really great people, truly, truly in love with each other. Well, that's cool. From, you know, from, from the time that they got together. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the correlation with that one that I thought that I'd throw in there. That's why I'm kind of on the fence going, she might be right. Because she if, might be. Because if you research this other person's that I'm talking about's backstory, you might not, you probably won't find anything. Right. As far as, as what had happened had happened. Right. And I'm trying, and I, I know to our listening audience it sounds really, really vague, but... It's for the protection of the innocent. It is, and the, the people that I'm talking about are, are very close to me. Right. And I would do nothing to disclose or hurt Right, and you shouldn't. No. I mean, even... Not only that is like, you know, they're not the focal point of our show. So, well, exactly. You know, so, exactly. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And so once she gave birth to her child, which was a baby girl, she became and her baby girl's name is Jane, by the way. Um, she became different. According to Ken, she started she showed absolutely no interest in bonding with the child. Almost appearing irritated that the child even needed to be cared for. Now, naturally, I assumed this was due to her her possibly having postpartum depression. That's exactly what I was going to interject. Because those are classic symptoms of that. But then I saw the next part. She was been diagnosed with pathological narcissist as a pathological narcissist. Now I'm confused, and and we'll we'll get to that in a bit because of what that's when things began to click with me. Yeah, I'm really confused, but we're, we're going to get that to that towards the end, yeah. why I'm confused. So I, I also researched this disease because, you know, I wanted to make sure I was clear on what I was talking about, not giving misinformation. Right. So I looked up in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It's like the go-to manual for mm-hmm. all psychologists. Very familiar with that. Yeah, book. and this is the criteria outlined for this disorder. They have fantasies about beauty, success, and power that dominate their individual thoughts. Um, This individual needs to be admired at all times. They lack empathy or the ability to recognize feelings and needs of others. Their behavior appears arrogant or haughty. They are envious of other successes. They have an exaggerated sense of self-importance. The person feels they are quote unquote special and can only relate to other quote unquote special people. Uh, They manipulate and take advantage of others and they feel an entitlement to most things. Jesus. So I personally, and I could be wrong because, you know, it's known to happen occasionally that I personally think that having this child meant that all the attention would no longer be on her. Well, yeah, because it's a baby. But on her child. Yeah, people looking at the baby. And that's why she was annoyed with the infant and thus, I believe, refused or was unable to bond with her. That makes sense. Makes yeah. Makes sense. Exactly. That's what I personally believe after reading the, you know, the symptoms or whatever of her diagnosis. So she, like Graham, began working at the Alpine Manor Nursing Home as well in early 1985 and then quickly was uh, promoted to supervisor over the nurses' aides. Okay. Um, There she met a group of lesbians. There she actually met a group of lesbians before she met Graham, um, who she claimed welcomed her into their clique, their circle, and um, 
thus inviting her to join them at bars and parties after work. Now, they claimed she was never really welcome at these gatherings because she was a manipulative, pathological liar, one who seemed to enjoy cultivating conflict, chaos, and drama. However, since she was their supervisor, they allowed her to tag along. Well, it kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah, don't want to piss off the boss. Uh, exactly, you yeah. know, if she's a supervisor, that could cause some pretty big problems for you. Yes, exactly, exactly. So as a couple now, they began having an affair in September of 1986. Once they became lovers, they practiced the sexual asphyxia in an attempt to achieve stronger orgasms together. Okay. And it was during one of these encounters, and this is what gets me, because we've talked about this with other pair, you know, killers and stuff. Right, right. Is after one of these encounters that apparently Graham admitted she often fantasized about killing someone just to know how it felt. Okay, I want to interject that if you're into autoerotic asphyxiation. Thank you, because, well, apparently words are hard. That's your own deal, man. Everybody's got their weird fetish, right. okay? I, I don't want anybody to think that we're downing you for your thing or, or whatever. Everybody's got no, their thing. But my whole thing is, at what point do you feel comfortable telling somebody you That's just what had I was sex with, at. hey, you know what? I want to go kill somebody. You know, I have been full of rage almost my entire life. At no point have I been with anybody that I have trusted and loved enough to turn over after making love and going, hey, you know what I would love to do? What's that, Scott? You know, Bill next door? I'd like to fucking kill him. Exactly. Will you help me out with this? Let's just break in, cut his throat. Yeah. Or, no. You know. You know, help me, you know, right. you, join you want, me on this adventure. Right. Join Scott on a little adventure as he goes and kills a neighbor. No, it's not right. Uh, on, on a couple of levels, on a couple of levels. Number one, knowing right from wrong. Precisely. You know? You would never act on those. No. Yeah. No, and believe me, I've actually wanted to kill people. I have plotted oh, me it too. out in my head. Me too. Because people have pissed me off so much. Yeah. Not so much anymore because, and I always interject this when I talk about this, anger management. Right. And if you do have an anger problem, by the way, find the program that's right for you. Exactly. That's I, I like to give little PSAs like you, that. You do. He is not getting on a soapbox, thank I'm not, goodness. I just think that it's really important to but, let people know yeah. there's help for you. But, um, you know, knowing right from wrong. Like, for example, okay, great example today. My neighbors that I have that I'm not going to point out which ones uh, verbally, but you know which ones I'm talking about. I know which ones you're talking about, yes. I can't stand them. You don't. You can't. And while I have in my head murdered them. Many times. Many times. Right from wrong. Yeah. You have offered my dog a (laughs) porterhouse grilled to to perfection if he just bit one of them. So yeah. (laughs) You know. But in, in reality, right from wrong. I know that, you know, that thankfully I know that ghosts would never no, do that. never. Not in a... And I'm Unless gonna, he thought we were in danger. He would and, never. And with as upset as I've been at them because of their, their behaviors... Right. I make the conscious effort knowing right from wrong. Right. I don't go over there. I'm not yelling at them. I'm not kicking in their door. I'm not breaking into their home. I'm not killing them. Because why? It's illegal and it's bad. Yeah, it is not okay. Right, much less rolling over 
to anybody who I'm sleeping with and say, you know what? I'd rather I'd like to just choke out the whole family. Yeah. Why don't you come on this adventure with me? We'll go next door. We'll kill this family and uh, then we'll choke each other. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly. Because it's doing right from wrong, and that's that's exactly. the bottom line. Because I fantasized about doing great harm to one of my abusers growing up. Fantasized about it. Thought about how many different ways I could accomplish this, but I never did it. Oh, totally. Because we know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah, it was also my way of dealing with it. And you know, and uh, both of these ladies, Wood and and Graham. Uh, or Bram is... Uh, the Graham. Graham. It is a Graham. Yeah, as um, a cracker. They're not mentally incapacitated. No, they're not. You know, why They know what they were doing They was know the wrong. difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. That is a given. Uh, you know, so... That's just... That's really yeah. all I wanted to point out. Yeah. But as a narcissist, one would believe it didn't matter anyways. Well, true. She's you above know. everybody else. Yeah, she's above everybody. So... But anyways, it was shortly after this that began their reign of terror at the resident on the residence of Alpine Manor Nursing Home. Okay, now, you're going to hear me say this phrase a lot, according to Wood, and I will Uh explain why later. But according to Wood, she merely acted as a lookout while Graham attempted and committed the murders. Um, Graham's first few attempts were unsuccessful since the women she targeted were able to fight back. Well, yeah, get your butt kicked yeah, that way. Only that when they complained about it, it was dismissed as they. It was late at night, and they misremembered or mis you know misinterpreted what was really going on. No, yeah, probably, yeah. You know, and so um, let's see. So instead of giving up on the whole situation, she found a solution to her quote unquote problem. And those are my words. Um, she and Wood decided to target Alzheimer patients. Actually, it makes perfect sense. It does. And you know? I believe, and I'll say why I believe, because, you know, I have a history with um, long-term care and everything, geriatric care, because my mom was right. My mom was a nurse in a nursing home, at, at hospital and nursing home atmosphere with geriatric patients since before I was born, and I'm 46. Right. So, and she just retired last year. So, for 45 years. Yeah. So, she knows her stuff. She knows her junk. Right. And so, you know, I am familiar with these different types of patients. I believe the reason is twofold. Number one, Alzheimer's patients, by and large, do not have the ability to defend themselves, mainly because they don't remember how to. Right. Exactly. Right. Now, number two, even if they survive and are able to fend for themselves, defend themselves and try to talk about it, people will just assume they are confused. Right. And plus, I, I know this from uh, from Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, my so my ex-wife uh, number. I'm trying to think <laughs> four and a half. Oh, OK. Uh, or would that be three and a half? Three uh, and a half. Three and a half. Um, her dad, who was also a really good guy, um, he died from dementia because he had Alzheimer's. Right. And slowly but surely, you're watching this guy really diminish, like physically. Oh, yeah. You know, so strength goes down, agility, everything like that. So now, I mean, that 
that's a perfect playground for yeah exactly what because up to. my grandma had severe severe dementia in the late right before she ended up passing away and everything and it's like she was a shell of what she used to be you know that she just you know and i think a lot of it is because they don't know how to think and you know, and interact and, you know what I mean, to keep up that. Well, and there's also a lot of confusion that goes into lot. that, too, because as as her dad um, got further into Alzheimer's the, and dementia, right. uh, and he, Al- would, he would forget basic things. Oh, yeah, and Alzheimer's literally eats away at your brain, whereas yes. dementia is just your... That long-term memory is just gone. Right, well, because so, the, yeah, the dementia is a byproduct yes. of... Uh, it's the byproduct of having Alzheimer's. No, it's the other way around. Is it? Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's is the byproduct dementia of dementia. can progress into Alzheimer's. That's what it was. Yes. Sorry. No, uh, you're... Yeah. It's I not. just asked my assistant, or now our assistant for the day, to brew a pot of coffee because... Well, yeah, a you're, a little, you're a little yawny. I am. But, you know, it's to be expected. But I'm you not know, from It's kind of late tonight right now. Um, <laughs> you're not a youper. Um, anyways, um, once they decided on their... Then they decided on their victim pool. You know, once they decided on their victim pool and profiled the dementia patients, um, their original intention was to murder people according to the alphabet. Their initials were like A, B, C, D. So they were going to do it alphabetically? They were going to. And then they said, no, that'd be too suspicious. A little bit, yeah. So let's choose people whose initials spell out murder. Less suspicious, but still a little. Yeah, but then they fruit. Then they realized with the options they had in the facility that that was a little bit more difficult. Oh, so they play Scrabble. Yeah, pretty much. No. Okay, no good, um. Good so deal. what happened was is they decided against all that, and they felt people. They so they developed their own code. Oh, okay. And what it was is for every murder, it would represent a day. Like one day, two days, three days. So their little inside, you know, code thing to each other would be, I will love you forever plus whatever day. And it's like the first murder was one day. Second murder was two days and so on. So in January of 1987, they chose their first victim. Her name was Marguerite Chambers. She was an Alzheimer patient who happened to be extremely tired that day after spending the majority of the day with her one of her, her son. Okay, so she was tired because she was worn out. She, you know, had to use what mental capacity she had to interact with her child. Right. You know, so according to this is according to Wood, Graham entered the room that evening while she remained at the door as a lookout. And once Graham was in the room, she approaches Chambers and smothers her with a washcloth. Now, that part, the smothering with the washcloth is true because Graham confessed to it. Okay. That's so, so she p- took a washcloth and put it over her face instead of a pillow. See, and that's where my mind went. When, when you were telling me um, that, they were, that they were killing them, before you even said anything about that, I'm thinking, that's a pillow. Yeah, no. That's where my mind automatically goes. No. You just hold it over there, and then the kidney stops. And a stops. lot of times, that could also be because with a pillow so much, and I learned this by watching a lot of movies, true crime movies, is a pillow can actually cause bruising 
Oh. And um, because of the but, way the pressure of the pillow. But wouldn't the washcloth sound? I've got my hand up right now, and our, our audience can't see it, but you can. So it's sitting across here. There's right. The Uber. Um, <laughs> You're so right. That's that the Uber. Sticks in my freaking head from a different <laughs> show. But um, so you get the washcloth in there. You're putting it over Marguerite. That was her name? Yes. You're putting it over Marguerite's mouth. So, like my stand right here. Mm-hmm. You've got to hold it on. She's going to be twitching a little bit. I would think that because of thumb position okay. and, and hand, that but it would still leave some some bruising. Like you've got pressure. Can, can the assistant hand me that orange rag and I'll, I'll fold it and I will show you what I think happened. And then um, I'll post it on the Facebook because this is about the size of a wash rag. Right. I believe she folded it like this. I believe she folded it like this in half and then just held it onto both oh, sides. Oh, okay. Like that. Can you breathe through that? Like just give it a. A little bit. Let me see. Just just for our listening audience. I'm yeah, you can a little bit. I'm going to be I the guinea pig. I believe if it was held down with enough pressure, it would push your nose down and keep you from breathing so through your nose. So this isn't even a cotton no, cloth. No, that's this a microfiber. This is microfiber. I yeah. use this on, on my guitars and my right. equipment. So. No. I, I held it down pretty pretty solid. Yeah, if you hold it tight enough, it is it you won't be able to breathe through No, it. there's no way. And if you she, and if she has her hands on both sides of the face, she's not leaving the pressure of her hand on there. So that's what I believe happened. No, that would actually make more sense. It kind of went down a little different than what it was in it, your mind, right? Because I'm, I'm thinking like you're taking your hand and you're pushing it yeah, down, almost no. like almost like you're going to shove it in her mouth. Right. No. But no, the way that you did it with it spread out. Yeah, and holding it on the sides, I believe that's how I believe it was accomplished okay cool cool yeah um can you get a picture of me with it i can't as soon as we're okay, done yeah, i will take done. a i will take and, a little uh, yeah. handy dandy picture because i you. think that'd be really good to kind of show people what we're talking about so they're not sitting there yeah trying to visualize no exactly. what the hell we're talking about oh our assistant will do it right now so i guess we could call him our page or our intern right unpaid intern there you go <laughs> so anyways um let's see Okay, so due to the victim's age and condition, her death was ruled natural, and no autopsy was performed naturally. Well, yeah, and actually, it makes a lot of sense. I can't mm-hmm. fault law enforcement for that or anything like that no. because, or even the medical community. Uh, or yeah, because here you have you have an elderly lady. She's got dementia or, or Alzheimer's, rather. She's on her way out. They already right. know that. Right. So she passes on, and that happens every day at this facility because it's it's. It's older people. Right, exactly. You know, they're most of them are probably in hospice or, you know, right. or at least pretty close to it. Yeah. So people are passing away. It's pretty frequent. Oh, yeah. You, I got some statistics here about that anyways, but it'll just drive home why it wasn't. Okay, so over the next few months, from January to April of 1987, they proceeded to kill four more victims. Okay, so they had a total... Well, known victims. Right. So let's let's start with that. And I have their names, actually. I have to. My computer went to sleep. So hang on just a second. I have their names and ages. Cool, cool. Because it took me a lot of digging to get that. So you have 60-year-old Marguerite. Okay. Well, and actually, 60 is not that old. But with dementia, with 
But with Alzheimer's, Late, yeah, if she had full blown Alzheimer's and stuff. It's in my head. I'm thinking Marguerite's like in her 70s that's or what 80s I thought or something. Too. You laid the 60 on me. Yeah, that's younger than my mother. Uh, yes, yes, it is. This is not the show for that. Um, you didn't even say nothing. The about next your one was 89 year old Edith Cole, 95 year old Myrtle Luce, Lucy or whatever L U C E. 79-year-old May Mason and 74-year-old Belle Burkhardt. So from 60 to 95 years old. Gee, so, yeah, there wasn't like a specific age group that they're saying. like No, just all of them had dementia, Alzheimer's and dementia. Well, yeah, they can't fight back. Diminished that's, capacity. That's their, that's their modus operandi. That was their M.O. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Why not? I don't even know what this is. I have to look at that again. So, um, let's see. So, okay, and that is the reason why a book was written about them in 1992 by Lowell Coffel, and he titled it Forever and Five Days. Wow. Because they had five Very known victims. Yeah. Yes. Now, this is what I want to mention here. There were some occasions when the sheer thrill of the kill was overwhelming, so they'd find an empty room and have almost violent sex while the memories were still raw and new. I know it sounds weird, but but this one time at band camp. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I will hit you. <laughs> but, you know, like uh, we've said no, in other episodes and, you know, sometimes we need the humor to process the horror the the horror of the stories. Right. Well, they've already got the autoerotic asphyxiation going on, right? So, the way that I understand uh, people who commit homicide with, with another person especially. Correct. That's a lot of trust. It's very intimate. Correct. You know, and it's not like you're shooting somebody from a mile away. This is up close and personal. A- everybody involved, the victim and the two killers are in a very intimate situation. Very. So I can kind of see why the juices would get flowing, and you're like, wow, we need to complete this. Well, and it's a known fact, too, that a lot of people who suffer traumatic events in their life or who have had a major death in their family seek out sex as a catharsis release. I do that myself. Um... You know, if if I get stressed out, like a lot, um, I will, I I tend to do the same thing. Exactly. You know, because that's, I've I've got very few things that really get my mind off of, you know, some of the the BS that just day to day life. Totally. And you know, I got I got music, but that's more that's my job. Yeah. And um, you know, and and I have sex, and that's it, because I don't do drugs anymore. Correct. I'm not a heavy drinker. You're not. Um, you know, so yeah, I can, I can totally understand that. So when, when you put all that together though, right. Like we went through intimacy. Yeah. You're already lovers. Right. You have the autoerotic asphyxiation going on. Technically that's what you just did to, you yes. know, uh, your, your victim. Correct. So it could be almost like a voyeurism thing. Like, Hey, that's kind of hot. Cause like, okay, I know in certain environments and I'm not going to name the environments, but Certain places uh, that I know of, one of the biggest thrills for some people is is voyeurism. Oh yes, and uh, and that's the reason why we have porn. 
Oh, like, yeah. seriously, because it's, it's all very, and you can it, inject yourself into there. Yeah, you're, it's very voy- voyeuristic. Right, while, while postponing the pleasure until later. Correct. That's why, you know, like a lot of couples will watch porn together. Correct. Uh, because it's, it's the workout. Correct. So, in my mind. It's a I, foreplay. And I can kind of see where this would work into Fetish Friday, because that's kind of like the foreplay. Yeah. She's sitting there, and they're both getting worked up on this, because one's doing and one's witnessing. Yeah, according to reports, one was doing, one was witnessing. Correct. You know, I can I can see where they got to blow off that steam. They got to go. Wow, yeah. that was hot. Let's complete the act. It completes the circuit. It does. It because and fetish Fridays. It's a matter of the um, build up and everything is the sexual tension, and right. the release is the actual commission of the violent act or murder. Correct. Yeah, because so, on fetish yeah. Fridays, uh, you know, right. Uh, anything that is. Well, that belongs to Fred's Fridays. The sex is essential. Right. That is the center point of this. Right. So when you have something like that, and like I said, she, she, so she's holding the washcloth down um, over Marguerite or right. her other victims. Or any of the other victims, correct. Yeah, I can, I can totally see why that would be a turn on to them. Yes. Based on the information. So can I. Yeah. So can I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, also according to reports, Graham took items from each victim so that she could later rele- relive the murders. Okay, which that's is typical. very common in serial killers. Yeah, that's very, very um, common. They would also both openly brag to fellow co-workers, saying they had killed, they say they had killed six victims, and showing them the souvenirs. However, due to Wood's history of path, as a pathological liar, nobody believed them. Gee, many Christmas. Whoever thought that being a pathological liar can could be... be beneficial be, to yeah, you. Yeah, totally beneficial. Yeah. Like, I mean, not just like... Beneficial is gaining clout, but beneficial is in you're not going to prison today. Yeah. Now, when Graham was arrested, the authorities say she claims, as she's being arrested, that the murders were made up in an attempt to frighten the other employees. She had no idea about the circumstances leading up to her murder, which I'll get into in a minute. Which is a pathological liar. No, she's liar. not. She's the borderline. She's the borderline? She's the borderline. Okay, one. I keep getting him confused. Yeah, Graham is the borderline and Wood is the pathological. I thought you just said that Wood was the one who said... No, no. Oh, okay. It's my mistake. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, no, Graham is the one that when she was arrested, she had no idea, you know, she said that the... That, you know, because she thought one of her co-workers had turned her in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was that. And then, um, but apparently that was it was claimed that she collected, um, the items she collected would include, and this is, this is one thing here, grosses me out, totally grosses me out. But one was she collected uh, an anklet. Okay. A handkerchief. Okay. A brooch. Okay. And a set of dentures. That, why? I don't know. See, and I have a plate of my own. You know, a top plate. Right. And I, before this, couldn't even touch other people's dentures. Because when I was a kid, one of my grandpa would flip his up and down. Oh, they chased you with him. No, he flipped him up and down. And I said, Grandpa, Grandpa Jay, can I see your teeth? And he took them out and threw them across the table at me. And in my mind, being so young, they came at me chomping. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that when I even worked, because I worked in a long-term care facility myself 
for a while in as a dietary aid in the kitchen when I had a tray come back with dentures on it. I screamed and my boss had to come take care of them. I wouldn't touch them. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I wouldn't touch my dad's when he was around. Nothing. I was afraid I wouldn't even be able to use my own. Well, the thing that with the dentures that kind of gets me, though, uh, is because if you look at the other items, you got a handkerchief, you have a brooch, you, you have, have an, an anklet. anklet. Okay. Those are very small. Not just small, but those are those are accessories. That's true. Everything that w- is an accessory. And that makes sense to stay with that. So if they would have taken a pair of eyeglasses, okay, that's kind of an accessory, right? It's necessary, but it's an accessory. Mm-hmm. If they took a hair clip, that's an accessory. You're talking about a an appliance. But you gotta think also that she also removed the teeth of her dog. Okay, no, I get that, but you're talking about in her current state. Right. And that's why I'm kind of fascinated by that part, because in her current state, they, they go from getting accessories. Right. To, to something that is beyond personal to a person. Because, okay, somebody can steal the shirt that I'm wearing. or And you my, won't really miss it. Really, right. I, even if I miss it, I go, you know what? It's a shirt. It just happens. Yeah. You know, or let's say the brooch is super important to the uh, to the elderly lady. I even understand that. But still, in the grand scheme of things, people look at that's just a tangible item. You can buy another brooch. Might right. Not be the same one, but the same, you know. Right. Uh, sentimental it, value. The sentimental value is there. Um, but now you're talking, you're talking someone's dentures. There's only one person in the world that can wear dentures. Exactly. Uh, one. And this is true. Sorry, I had to talk to my assistant. Um, That's true. You know, like, I have two full plates. Because I was in a a wreck and destroyed my Mm -hmm. upper lower jaw. Um, I like to throw that in there so people don't think, oh, he didn't take care of his teeth. Yeah. No, mine's because of a wreck. But um, Andy's hillbilly. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks. (laughs) So the only person in the world that can wear my dentures Mm -hmm. is me. That's why my name's on them. Like, literally. Mine, too. My name is stamped on mine, too. Yeah, they, they... that's a, it's and an you know identifying why they mark because we don't have dental records because we ain't got no, no goddamn teeth. No, they do it like that because they cater to a lot of elderly people in nursing homes that misplace their teeth. Really? I asked them when I got mine. I, go, I thought why it was like an identifying mark. No. Like if I get into because no. they, they can't take a bite impression on me and go, hey, look, that molar no, got but filled. But at the same time, though, a lot of people, some people don't wear their dentures all the time, so it wouldn't matter. Because I, I asked my tech lady, I said, why is my name in these? She goes, well, because a lot of our patients are elderly in nursing facilities, and they tend to leave their teeth laying around places. <coughs> so that's a way for them to get their teeth back, as opposed to going around trying to fit other people's teeth <laughs> that they found and lost. It's like a weird game everybody. of Marco Polo <laughs> with dentures. Yeah. Because yeah. I was totally Or Cinderella, actually. That's, yeah. a, that's a Cinderella story. Yeah, that's a... That's a Gold, that's a glass slipper thing. But, um, yeah, I was, like, yeah. totally grossed out when she was telling me that. Let me see your mouth. Does these, do these fit? You're not the princess. And then that's they go right. the hell away. Yeah, exactly. So I was just, like, that just really grossed out. But it should also be noted, I mean, because it was just, it was claimed that she had done this. But it should be noted that none of these items were ever found at the time of their arrest. So it makes me wonder where they were, including where the and dentures are. And where they are, are. now. Right. If it's true that they took them. It would make sense because that's pretty atypical of, very, of serial killers. It is very typical of serial killers. Because that, once so. again, that's part of the thing that completes a cycle. It does. 
And it allows you to relive the murder right. over and over and over again. Just by looking at this item, it brings it all back. Right. It's, it's a common function yeah. within uh, uh, serial killers because, like mm-hmm. I said, everything's about completing a cycle. Right. Uh, you know, so you have the honorotic asphyxiation. That's a sexual component Correct. to it for both of them because they both knock it out afterwards. Um, and then you have that piece so they can both look at it and go, hey, remember when we did this? Let's look at this brooch. Correct. Because it'll bring back those memories, brings back those feelings. Right. Exactly. And it also needs to be noted that even with the five deaths from January, February, March, April in a four-month period, that they went un- uh, un- Oh, unnoticed. Yeah, I, was say, unnoticed I couldn't read my own handwriting because I didn't type, have time to type this one out. And I'm like, what I figured that they were unnoticed right because here? once again, they're they're in yeah. an elderly care right. facility. Since that age, since they were in the age range they were with the disease that they had, that would explain the deaths themselves. Yeah, 100. percent Yeah, and then if there's no bruising or anything at the time when these people were dead, it's like, oh, they died in their sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So although although. The authorities believed the pair were responsible for eight deaths. They were only able to verify five, and thus only charged and prosecuted for five. Jamie Chris. Yeah. Now, they ended their relationship in April of 1987. Okay. Wood states it was due to her refusing to personally kill anyone to, quote, unquote, prove her love. I got to call bullshit. Well, and Graham states... It's because she left Michigan, um, returning to Texas with her new lover, Heather Barriger, in order to get away from Wood's overbearing control. That sounds more logical. Only because, only because, like we had talked about, you're talking about somebody who has, she's got narcissistic personality, okay? And she's a pathological liar. Correct. Those two things there, and you're going to tell me with that condition that she's not the dominant one, and that she's. Oh not wait, doing I any get into killing? that a little bit more. Yeah, I'm I'm calling horseshit. Yeah, that's exactly. I what I'm calling I, right I now. address that exact thing here in a minute. So, um, let's see. Woods would Woods Wood would also claim later that Graham was the dominating, controlling partner. However, yeah. This is where you and I agree. Due to her pathological narcissism, this is literally impossible. Right. No, I, I agree. One cannot be... A, and it's important to note that in all like couples and group murder situations, there is always one dominant and at least one submissive. Well, actually... And, that, and like you said, that's in any relationship. Right. We were talking about that right. earlier off air. Is that, you know... and. It, Bear with me, folks. I don't want to seem sexist, but... He kind of is a little... No, I'm oh, kidding. Thanks. Appreciate that one. When you, when, know when you look love, at yeah. any relationship, you have the leader, mm-hmm. and then you got the one that isn't the leader. You that do. doesn't That doesn't mean that the, that the submissive person has no say-so. No, it just means they are able to, like, step back and allow the other one to be in charge. Right. Exactly. Yes. And I'm not even saying that that person is in charge all the time, because there's sometimes... In my relationships, I've had to defer to like oh, yeah. you know, a wife or a girlfriend that I'm with, you know, because I don't know everything. But um, 
if you look at like traditional marriage, for example, you had the man, he's king of the castle, he runs the house. The, right. The wife comes to him, and and they they kind of work on things together. Hey, honey, I think we need a new car, you know, and they just just says throwing something out, um, and they discuss it. Right. Okay, but the end result is it's the husband's. Um, He's going to give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down. He's either going to say, yeah, we do. We need a new car. Or she, he's going to go, look, we really can't afford a new fucking car. Right. You know? Um, right. And it's Just like, as an example. Right. So, you, you, but if you have two dominants in any relationship, it's, it's whether it's, even business. Let's, yeah. Let, let's talk business, okay? Like, if there were, it, let's say I have a company called Scott Co. Yes. Okay. And I'm kind of a dominant person. Kind of. If I brought in somebody else as a business partner that's also a dominant person, that's too many chiefs, not enough damn Indians, and we're going to butt heads on everything. Right. And it would it would tend to lean towards... You get nothing done. You nothing get nothing done, and you fight over absolutely nothing. And you will pick fights with one another. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I think Bob should make $15 an hour. No, I think he should make $14.99 an hour. I mean, we're talking the stupid shit. Yeah. Just the butt heads to, to show dominance. Right, to show who's the alpha. Right. You you need to have an alpha. Well, in any pack situation, exactly. you have to have an alpha. Yeah, you've got the leader of the pack, mm-hmm. and then you've got the not leaders of the pack. Exactly. And I hate using the word submissive only or because... Or betas. Let's use beta. Yeah, beta's another one. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have those, and you have betas. Um, I hate using the word submissive only because... It has a negative connotation. Exactly. And everybody thinks submissive, especially if you know, if you've been into any sex clubs or, or right, anything like right, that. Right, right, right. It can be very demeaning. Right. And well, what a lot of people don't realize about BDSM that I've done some research on... Um, is that the the submissive is actually the one who's really in charge, right? Um, but that's a whole different. We can go and have a whole sex talk later. Well, we, that can be a whole new podcast. We need to bring that up with Twisted Blue and see if we no can do kid, it. Come sit on Scotty's lap, boys. Let and us girls. not. We're gonna talk about Dude. BDSM. Dude, I love the working relationship we have. Don't <laughs> make me hate it. But um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um. So but yeah. So with her personality to sort of be. Being narcissistic, for her to come out and say, "Hey, I'm the vic- kind of the victim. I was just a watchman. I was just looking out, and I'm the. I was very submissive. I don't care what anybody says. I'm gonna call because we talked about this earlier. Absolute bullshit. Me too. 100%. I will. I will call it too. And I don't. Even, I mean, I encourage her now to contact us. Oh, she's alive. Oh, yeah, they oh, both are. please. Yeah, they both are still alive. Contact us. But I want to hear your side of the story because, honestly, I don't know if I believe you anyways. You know, whereas normally I would say, you know what, let me hear your side of the story. You might be able to change my mind. And here's the reason. Here's Because, you know, I have analogies on, on anything, right? You do. Right? It's like saying there's a shark, but he's walking on land. Yeah. That makes no damn sense. None. You know, you, you, you're programmed a specific way. Yeah. Okay. And that is uh, that is your brain's programming. There's no way you can really control that. Right. And let, well, unless you do a lot of therapy and you really do the work to, to correct those behaviors, which I don't think she did. Uh, see, because I've heard, I've heard, and I, I'm not even, don't quote me on this because I haven't done all the research, but I've heard that narcissism, narcissism is one of the ones that you really can't. 
like overcome with therapy and stuff like that. I believe you can overcome, and this is just me. Okay. Almost anything if you truly want to, and, and, and here's why. Probably, I mean, it could be. Very I use true. myself as the guinea pig and the example all the time on a lot of things. Um, hey, maybe I'm a narcissist, but um, you know, like my. Is that your pickup line? <laughs> oh my god, that could be from now. Hi, how you doing? My name's Scott. I'm a narcissist. Want to come to back to my place and pay attention to me? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but you know, I I was extremely violent. Right. Um, you know, not so much in my career, no. you know, although I was known for throwing things like coffee pots across an entire studio, no. they didn't have the right coffee, but oh, okay. that's why, the, it, you know, I can understand that if I, I don't was, have the right coffee, I get mad. Oh too. God, I was a total dick, but, um, you know, uh, so a lot of people think that once you travel down that path and you've lived most, most of your life as a very violent person that you can't, that you can't change yourself. And this is why I tell people, look, if you've got these problems, seek out a program that works for you. You might have to go through a couple of them, but eventually well, you might find some. it's just like with any counselor, too. Right. Well, I found the program that worked right for me. You did. Um, and that was only because, and I would like to say, hey, I'm, I chose to make this change in my life. I didn't. The, it was a court-ordered thing. Right. They said, hey, you need to take anger management. Or you will go to jail. Yeah, or you're going to prison. Right. That's your two choices because of... of the, what had happened, which we won't go into. Right, no. Um, and uh, I'll admit at first, and this is just to help anybody out who's listening, by the way, and then we'll get on track. Um, yeah, I thought that everybody in there was full of shit. Oh, yeah. Until I realized I'm exactly like them, and I started working the program. And I literally, it's taken me, it was a one-year program. I stayed in for three. Right. Because um, I, I, I mentored and counseled for two. Okay. And... Um, I worked every day to change the way that I naturally react to things. Right. So and you still, like, make those – I mean, because sometimes I can see you, like, pausing for a minute before you answer. Right. And stuff. I, I will see that in you, you know. So it's like, okay, I see him actually working the program, basically, is for lack of a better term, because it's like you stop and you, like, I can see the wheels turning and then you'll answer. Right. And it's because, you know. honestly, I want to be the best person that I can be. And, you know, I don't want to do things like, you know, yell at people and be violent and, and all kinds of things. I want to be the best person for not just myself. Right. But for everybody else, too. And I'm happier that way. I don't think that Wood has even fathomed or thought for a second, hey, I have this problem. How can I correct the way that I'm programmed? the way that I've been taught, the way that I think. Exactly. To not have this program. Right. In my head. Right. So that's why I, I sit there and I go, oh, geez, you know, just hearing her say, well, I was a submissive on this and I just was the watcher and I didn't participate. Yeah, I don't believe no. it. No. I don't believe it at all. I am sorry, sorry, uh, Miss Wood, but um, please, by all means, call Send us a, a an, an email, email or yeah, and and I'm I'm happy to discuss it with you because maybe maybe we're missing something. We could be. It's very likely that we are because I don't know everything about the narcissistic mind. This is true, and I don't know everything about her. Right. I'm just going by the research I could find. Right. There could be just a way different dynamic. There could be other mm -hmm. things going on. We don't know. So by all means, I'm I'm happy to talk to him. Um. But anyway, go ahead. But anyways, so. So, mind you, they ended their relationship in April. Now, Wood is still friends with her ex-husband. Oh. Yeah. 
the plot thickens. Because they, they say that they split amicably. Okay. So in August, after Graham leaves and goes back to Texas, Wood goes out with her to a bar with her ex-husband, and after a few drinks, told him what she what they had done. But she just straight out told him. But hold on, but she's a pathological liar, and ex-hubby is sitting yeah, there I'm going knowing, to address this, this. knowing this shit. Yeah, I'm going to address that part. It, that's like my oh, okay. next sentence. I must have ESPN you, or something. You do, extra sensory Scotty no, something. No, uh, ESP, man, extra Scotty power. Yeah. So, however, Ken initially dismissed the claim due to her history of lying. Ta-da. But he never forgot about it. Oh, no. How, how yeah. can you when your ex-wife... Says, is, uh, me and my lover killed five, at least five people. Right. And honestly, I remember most of what me and my first ex-wife, because uh, Maritza and I are still really tight, and I can mention her name. She's not going to sue me. Oh, uh, she probably will, but... <laughs> no. Maritza loves me to death. Um, I remember, I would probably say a good 75 to 80% of everything that we've, that we've ever talked about. Right. You know? Um, so now you have Ken. He's having a drink. With his ex-wife. So you're, they're amicable. They divorced well. They're obviously friends. Yes. They're having a drink together. They have a baby together. They have a baby together. So they have a connection. So yeah, you're going to remember shit. Yeah. Well, you and I don't even have that kind of intimate relationship. And you remember things I tell you. It's the ESP. I mean, and I take Is good it notes. the ESP? A little bit, Sears. yeah. Really? <laughs> Have Is a cape. it really? Have a cape. Extra Scotty Power. You do. You know, <laughs> put the cape away, <laughs> Captain. Um, anyways, so um, so 14 months later, he actually decided to go to the police with the information only because Graham and Wood still kind of relate remained in phone contact with each other on some level. And he found out that Graham had gone to work at a neonatal facility. So we're talking over a year later. He's still got this bouncing no, around in the head. Yeah, about a year yeah, later. Yeah, you said 14 months. Yeah, That's 14 months after two months, August. Yeah. So you figure August of 88. Right, right. That's a long time to actually October, have that actually, but yeah. bouncing around in your head then going, um, but maybe he, I should he, go to the cops. No, he only went to him because he heard that she was working in a neonatal facility. So What does he, neonatal do for uh, those who don't neonatal know? Neonatal is um, Including infants. me. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought it was, but yeah. I didn't want to open my big mouth. Usually infants. Yeah, I didn't want to open my, my big mouth yeah. and be wrong. No. No, you were right this time. That happens occasionally. Mark one off for him. No kidding. And like he didn't want to take the chance of her victimizing any of them if the story were true. Totally understandable. So that's why he was like, you know what? I don't really believe it, but if it is true, I need to say something because she's working with, you know, other patients who are... You know, they're basically, well, I was gonna say they that. can't defend themselves. Right. It's it's the same thing that she was doing at the elderly care. But once again, how many babies have you seen that you, that they get attacked and they get up and start fighting their way out? Like, yeah, here, come exactly. at me. And neonatal, it would be easy to write off the deaths. Oh, easily, yeah. Because they're, they're, most of them are premature with lots of other issues going on. Right. It would yeah. make sense, yeah. And so, at first, when he went to the police, they dismissed him, saying that, you know, the claims aren't true. That's been because pretty consistent. Nobody had reported anything yet. That's been pretty consistent in the last couple of stories that we've done where cops right. 
kind of go, ah, we'll see, get out of here. I kind crap. of see a little bit why, because with my mom working in the long-term care facility, if there was even a suspicion, you know, like, oh, this is an unusual amount of deaths for this time frame or whatever, then they are mandatory. They are required by law. And even back then, because my mom worked in facilities back then to report that like, okay, this seems like a unnatural amount of deaths during this time frame, even for this vic, you know, this, you know, profile or victim pool. And can we please have an investigator look into it? But that would make sense because yeah. I mean, there, there's going to be things that it would tip off. Even if you go way back to like even the 19, 19- 40s and 50s there's things that are gonna look out of place right if your normal death rate is let's say five people a week mm-hmm. you have five elderly people that that die on average a week yeah and that jumps up to 10 a week right well all of a sudden you know you that's that's gonna raise some eyebrows some eyebrows correct somebody maybe not everybody but at least one person's gonna go hey wait a minute why did our death count Double. Yeah. What and, and now it's all of a sudden it's consistently it's like right. 10 people which a week. we will get into effect with a lot of our people that we highlight on this day, that's exactly why they got caught. Oh. You know, you we'll get into that later, but I've noticed that, that that's how these people got caught is because it was like, you know what, this isn't even right for this, you know, this like area of medical, you know. That's where I was going with with our with our medical Mondays. Yeah, that seems very, um, very consistent with. Yeah, yeah, you're right with that with how they get yeah. busted and. But yeah, but because these are police officers and they're required to at least look into th- claims like this because you're accusing somebody of murder. Right. Oh yeah. That's, you know a, that's not something they took, take lightly, and they're not just going to dismiss saying, "Oh, you know, he said that they killed these people. It can't be true. Let's ignore it." So, but apparently, when they started the investigation, approximately forty patients died at this facility during that time frame. Forty. Gee, many Christmas. Which in a oh, let's see, January, February, March, April, in a four-month period. Right, so they go by quarters, which would be three months, really. Three months, yes, three months or okay. quarter. And that quarter, the first quarter of that year, 40 people had died. My mom worked long-term care for many years. I don't ever remember 40 people dying at one facility, Well, which makes you wonder how big this facility was. I was going to say, how big was the facility? Are we talking but like there's uh, like a, a thousand people there? town out in the mid. I mean, it's a very remote area if you look at the map of where this place is. Right. So it wouldn't, to me, it would be like a facility the size out where I live. And granted, there are like 10 nursing home facilities. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, we have one college and about 10 long-term care and assisted living facilities out there. And it's like, dude, we're not all that old. You sure? Yeah, I'm not anyways. (laughs) But, you know, so to me, that was like, that's a huge amount. Yeah. However... Upon further investigation, they found that eight deaths stood out. So only eight deaths after, after, out, out of 40. 40. Out of so freaking 40 people. if they, like, saw, like, you know, for instance, somebody was actually in the middle of a cardiac arrest or had a stroke or 
Okay. Something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, kind of died yeah. in the middle of, of uh, a larger symptom. Yeah. Or you know, a exactly. larger problem. Yeah, you're right. Or like a heart attack. die or... on their shift. Okay, yeah. I can see that as well. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so they had, but some of them had already been cremated. But the ones who weren't were exhumed and no evidence of foul play was found. Well, if we go with the washcloth theory that we all three... No evidence would have been found. Would have, would have been found. You tried it. I tried it. The assistant tried it. And we all agree, correct, over there? Yeah, that you Just really not your head cannot that we, you, breathe. You really can't breathe with the over your mouth, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and if you're and on medications, too, that, that can diminish your breathing capacity, then that makes even more sense. Right. And that's what I'm thinking. You know, so you got the Alzheimer's. You're, you're towards the end stage. Right. Which is, that sounds like what they were after is the weakest of the week. They were after the weakest of the bunch, yes. Right, right. And, uh, you know, so I can see where the lungs are starting to shut down. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to have like a bunch of lint in their lungs. Exactly. Because if, they're, if their lung capacity is starting to shut down, so they're not taking the big breaths like, like we do. They're taking more shallow breaths. Exactly. So, yeah, there's not going to be, like, nobody's going to be like, hey, there's like a whole washcloth down their throat full yeah. of lint. Or even fibers. Yeah, or fibers, yeah. you know. And what they would find is, would probably be fairly minute, like no more than what would normally come off. Your uh, clothing. Or when you're in bed. Yeah. You know, you roll you roll over and you're, you got your side of your head on your pillow and you're doing some little bit of snore, snore. Snore, um, snore, drool, drool. That's pretty much what I do every night. Me too. I wake up in a, in a pool. I mean, I've often woken up and go, what the hell? <laughs> you know the, 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 the band Drowning Pool, which is a heavy metal band? Yeah, that's me, 100%. <laughs> I is that how they got their name? That is it. They, somebody <laughs> came in the house, saw me, and said, oh, that's Drowning Pool right now. Great name for a band. Yeah, there you go. Okay, but even with that and these ATS and they weren't able to do it, they was like, you know what? let's bring Wood in for interrogation since she's the one that confessed to her husband. Makes sense. Makes sense to me, too. So she initially claims, according to the authorities, that the quote-unquote confessions to the others was meant to be a joke. How in the flying How is that a joke? I tell some pretty off-color jokes. You tell some very dark jokes sometimes. Confessing to a murder is not a joke. That's not a joke. No. In any way, shape, or form. But, you know, maybe their sense of humor, both of them, Ken and... Even and, with a dark sense of humor, Maybe I that's their dynamic. It. No, could be. But it's awful suspicious when you're making jokes about people who actually died. Yes. You know, that's... Yeah. So, then it's like after a while, she finally confessed to everything, her side of everything, saying that Graham was the mastermind. And agreed to testify against Graham for a lesser sentence yep. and protective custody. Which makes sense. Pathological liar. Narcissistic. And, and we all know what happens to snitches in jail. Snitches end up in stitches or ditches. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we do know that. <laughs> um, not from... I don't snitch on anybody. I didn't get no, any but, but um, I have a criminal history, so I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but yes. And then she wants that lesser... Uh, Right. So she's talking to the cops, and she's uh, there's a thing called minimizing in psychology. Very much so. Um, and I, I learned this in school, and I actually, and I, then I learned it again when I went to anger management. It's called minimizing. And what it is is, let's say that there's a problem like you backed into a pole 
in in my truck. Mm-hmm. You're going to try to make it seem not as bad as it really is and maybe not as much of your fault. Oh, yeah, totally, as it is. totally. And maybe try to even place blame somewhere else. Well, you know, Scott, though, yeah, I may not have backed into that pole if your brakes were a little bit better because I went and hit the brakes. Or they, somebody wouldn't have parked the way they parked. Or, yeah, yeah, it's something like that. It's called minimizing the situation. Mm-hmm. Everybody does that. On some, on level, some level. Yeah, on some level, everybody does. I would say maybe 1% of the population comes right out and says, no, I totally I screwed up. I was backing out, exactly. wasn't paying attention, hit a pole, and I, I messed up your truck. Yeah. You know, so. But a lot that's of what the minimization that the everyday person uses is not necessarily to make themselves seem less culpable as to not hurt or uh, upset the other individual. No, that happens you a know lot, what too. I mean? Yeah, but we're talking about when somebody actually does something. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, minimizing can take a lot of forms, and that, that is one of them, you know, to where, like, if if you did something to hurt my feelings. Right. I wouldn't come right out and say, you're, even though I might be feeling it, I'm not going to say, Tammy, you're a horrible person because you did this and this and this. No, I'm going to minimize that. Hey, Tammy, when you said this, it it kind of, you know, it, it hurt my feelings. and Yeah, it kind of upset me, rubbed me raw. Yeah, rubbed me raw. Because that's, that's an appropriate thing to do. Right. It's appropriate minimization. Exactly. And I don't think that what Wood's doing right now is appropriate minimization. No, I don't either. Because she was only charged with um, one count of second degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder in the second degree. Oh, mur- commit second-degree murder, excuse me. And she was only sentenced to 20 years for each count. Eligible for parole since March 2nd of 2005. And she was actually released from the Federal Correctional Institute in Tallahassee, Florida, which is a minimum security facility, on January 16th of last year. I'm willing to bet that Graham got maximum security. Oh, wait. And she is reported now to be living with her sister in South Carolina. Oh, yeah, I would like to find her. Maybe we could set the intern on this task. That's actually what I'm thinking. I actually have the name of the town, and I think I texted it to you earlier. You did. So I yeah. think that was yesterday. Maybe he can do some in-depth searching and call, actually calling that county. Yeah, maybe. To we'll see. We'll have to see, because I, I, yeah. I would actually like to interview her, because like I said, I have a feeling if, if she is telling the truth, that I, I could be missing a whole bunch of things here. Yeah. This is a learning opportunity for her to teach us. To enlighten us. And yeah, and enlighten us. I'm all for teachable moments. Me too. Me too. I'm, I am a lifelong learner. I believe that I can always learn something. Yeah. Oh, 100% of the time. I don't know everything. I can always learn some. I'm eager to learn new things. So if she can enlighten me so I learn something different about this... Then, by all means, contact us or, you know, maybe if you know her, you know, get in touch with us and we will gladly reach out to her and get her side of the story. And to let you know that I'm not even kidding about being a lifelong learner myself, uh, Tammy and I have talked about this. I'm actually classified as a master guitar player. He is. um, through, through, Through the union. And I still learn stuff. Constantly and from different sources, like seriously, if I'm like in a, a music store, I've seen like 15 year olds just picking yeah, up the guitar. Yeah, you told for me time. this. Yeah, and they're playing something that, wow, hey, dude, how are you doing that riff? You know, and they'll show me because they, they don't even really know what they're doing. I'm like, right, dude, that, but it that's sounds awesome. good. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, 
let me teach you a couple of things. You, but you got to teach me that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always about learning. Because in my own mind, if I quit learning, I quit living. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the point where you're like, you know what? You know, there's nothing anybody can teach me. You are, in essence, say, basically becoming a narcissist. You're saying you're above it all. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No. So now Graham was extradited back to Michigan to stand trial. She was convicted of five counts of murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. Wow. Solely on the testimony of Wood and her and Graham's current lover, who claimed Graham had confessed to her as well. See, My thing one, is that's all hearsay. It, would it not is. so much because she was an accomplice, but the girlfriend's testimony I would think would be hearsay because it it's not a dying declaration. This is where I'm. St- I'm on the fence with this one too. Shit, because without knowing the actual dynamic between Graham and her new girlfriend, because it could have been that towards the end there, Graham and the new girlfriend weren't working out, and the exactly. new girlfriend's pissed off. Uh, oh, I'll teach I'll you. I'll get even with you. Yeah. Wood, I think, is not telling the truth. I don't think so either. Um, and I'll, I'll just say that straight out. You know. No, in my opinion, I don't think she was either. I, I have a hard time with, the, with Graham's girlfriend basically getting secondhand information. Right. I it's mean, yeah, she's, she's, she's getting it right from Graham, but. But her relaying it. Isn't that, I mean, and I keep going back to that. Isn't that classic definition of hearsay? It, ah. Because it's a, not expert opinion. It's none of that. I mean, really all she could do is say, well, Graham told me, but still, it's kind of my word against yours. Pretty much. He said, she said. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm having a problem with this. Me too. But yeah, that is the only thing that convicted them. They had no medical evidence. They had no physical evidence. Nothing. It was all circumstantial and based on the testimony of these two people. So is Graham still in prison? I imagine she is. Uh, Yeah, she received five life sentences and is currently at the Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Pittsfield Charter Township of Michigan. Gee, many Christmas. I I, I think, honestly, she got the wrong end of the stick. I do, too. And... If I'm if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, and I do apologize. And I'd like to get in touch with her, see if we can do an interview with her too. Right. Oh, exactly. Because I would love to get both sides of the story. Yeah, because there's always two sides to every story. And they've already been convicted; they can't be charged again. Yeah, can't be. So double, double jeopardy. jeopardy is in play. Tell us what you know. Yeah, totally. All right. So, yeah. what else you got for me? Oh, so I'd like to also go into like what's kind of going on today in regards to these 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 oh. crimes and everything. Now, their case has been featured on a couple of docu-series episodes, you know, which are the ones like on ID or Oxygen that not everybody sees or has, you know, access to. However, you're going to love this one. This is what I've been saving for you. In season six of American Horror Story, Roanoke, a highly fictionalized version of their story is featured. In the show, though, they are depicted as the sisters, Miranda and Bridget Jane. The nurse sisters that were committing the murder, and then they were stopped because oh. something more evil than them was in the house. Right, right. Because I, I actually remember that part. Because I'm a huge American Horror Story yeah, fan. Yeah, me too. I just haven't seen Roanoke. Yet. You're not missing anything, to be That's quite honest. Roanoke is one of the very disappointing. Yeah, 
very disappointed. But the rest of the seasons are fantastic. Yeah, I love every one of them. And I haven't seen like two seasons, I think. Well, no, I didn't watch the last one either. So yeah, three you, seasons. You'll like that one. 1984 is pretty good. Yeah. So, but no, and it was like, I was like, oh, he's going to love this. That is awesome. You might not want to go back and watch that series, that, that whole season again. Just I won't to... watch the whole season because it was mind numbing and lame, oh, but yeah. I will look for those episodes. Yeah. Was it in more than one episode where they were featured? I want to say it was two, but I, I got to be honest. Yeah. When I was watching Roanoke, like the beginning started off really slow and I was like, yeah, okay. yeah, it was kind of slow for me, too. I'm gonna say, okay, look, I'm going to see if this... It's got to get better, because, hey, it's American Horror Story. Yeah, I've and said it's that fantastic. about a lot of movies, too. And even halfway through it, I'm sitting there going, ah, oh, God, well... Is it uh, going to get better? Please, for love of God, get let better. this get a little bit better, because, damn... And then by the end of it, I'm like, it's not, that's time I'll never get it back. Didn't get, yeah, it did not get better. Yeah, yeah I, I said that about a couple of movies, that that's two and a half hours of my life I will never get back. Oh, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about Roanoke. Yeah. But no, and it's like, um, th- my problem is, is with Roanoke, I've started watching it a couple of times, but I tend to watch mov- shows at night when I'm trying to fall asleep. And that one was a little scarier than the other American <laughs> Horror Stories. Oh, not for me. It oh. Was just, I just kept shaking my head going, this is this is." See, retarded. that one was a little bit more creepier to me, but no. And I was just like, yeah, he's going to love that. But apparently in the show, they weren't lovers, they were sisters. And um, also they weren't. Um, in the show, they were featured as directors or owners of a nursing home or something like that, or that a care facility, right. as opposed to just aides. That so it was highly right. fictionalized, but it was based off that story. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's all I have on this couple. And like I said, they could have fallen into three different categories, but at the same time, it's like the whole series of events that you know, you know, and like I. Like you'll find out, and I have the description of each, how the dynamics of each of our days works, that people who tend to kill in couples and groups, they have a way of seeking out and finding each other. You yes. know what I mean? Well, it's, it's like a magnetism draws them together. It's a really weird thing that, that you said, that I, not that you said it, but the dynamic that you're talking about. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I've, I've discussed with, uh, with not my own therapist, but other uh, psychiatrists and psychologists, like when I was in college, uh, that I was taught and that I found out is filling a void. We were talking about that earlier, okay? So a lot of times when, uh, when somebody has been, let's say, sexually abused, correct, there are things that will happen to fill that void. Um, and it could be anything from uh, hypersexuality. To yes. where they, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, like I'm a nymphomaniac and I just want to have sex all the time. Or weird fetishes. Right. Um, you know, uh, or not and, having sex at all. Right. And they can actually, like, it's like they have a sick. Bless you, ghosty. That my was, dog uh, was my best sneezing. friend ghost. Yeah. Oh, he's still sneezing. <laughs> I haven't heard him sneeze like that. I mean, That's he did because more we're in three. Twisted Blue, too. Yeah. It's, yeah, I believe you're right. But a lot of it. It's like, and it's not like it's even has to be verbalized what they see in their, the other individual, but they have an ability to pick up on it. And that's what I was going to bring up. Uh, yeah. They, they will seek out people that are uh, 
abusive. Have the same characteristics. And ha- yeah, have very similar char- similar characteristics. And people say, well, gee, why would you stay with him or her because they were abusive? Name one abusive person that you that, that anybody has ever met. Where from day one they'll say, "Hi, my name's Bob. I like to beat and the I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to beat I'm going to beat the crap out of you mm-hmm. every day. I'm going to disrespect you. I'm going to start off nice for right now. You get like a 90 day waiting period. Yeah. And uh, then it's going to start getting really hairy and really abusive. Never. It always starts off the same. And then the person doesn't leave because, and I know this for a fact because my mom was in abusive relationships for a long time. Um, they don't leave because, A, the abuser always comes back and apologizes. Right. Even though they place the blame on the victim, you made me do it, they come back and apologize and say it'll be different. So, cool thing about that is, and then we'll wrap this one here up because we're not even on the topic that we started off on, but it's called the cycle of abuse. It is. And I'm trying to remember all the stages, but it goes, it goes the abuse, and then it goes the apology, Mm-hmm. And then usually when it's between like a spouse or a lover, it ends up where you, they try to take him to bed because that's the make up point. That's the you know, you're forgiven. Part. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's other stages in there. And off the top of my head, because I haven't spoken right. of the cycle of abuse in probably like 10 years. Um, it's like a grieving process almost. You it, know, you it, go it really through stages. It, everything goes through stages, but it completes the cycle. Yes. And then after the cycle, you have a waiting period before it's going to start. A again. cooling off period. Right. And then the cycle's going to start again. Right. And it actually literally takes a victim seven times of attempting to leave a relationship before they leave for good. Right. On seven average. times. On, on average. average. Because the victim tends to want to believe the best out of their partner. Oh, but yeah, they're still always. attracted. And like, okay, once again, I'm a good example of this. Guys, I am really a fucked up person. And you guys will realize that just listening to the shows. But um, so... I will instinctively, generally, up until as of recently, because my shrink helped me figure this out, um, pick out women that are, in one way or another, a destructive force in my life. Right. Um, And I don't mean like they're abusive all the time. I have had some that are abusive. but yeah. But still very destructive, whether it's verbally or... Uh, emotionally, emotionally, or, yeah. I, yeah, there's a, a a bajillion things that it could be manipulative or whatever. Right, yeah. and I didn't quite realize it until my therapist Justin and I were talking, and he, he goes, well, "Do you kind of see the pattern in this?" And believe me, I'm great at seeing patterns. That's why I'm great at puzzles. Yeah, you know, and, and but games. You, when you're on the inside looking in. You don't see it. Yeah, well, you're on the inside. And you're looking out. You don't. You know, trying to look at yourself. You don't see it. Yeah. You know, and I, oh my God, there, there's, there's, there, there's a pattern, you know, and it's an emergent pattern that started from a, from a younger age, mm-hmm. all the way now into my late forties. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're right because I'm, I, within myself, I'm seeking out these, these, these components because mm-hmm. while I know that I don't want to be treated this way, at the same time, it fills a void. Right. Because to me, it is normality. Right. So I think that that is also in play with a, with a lot of what we've been talking about, especially in this right here, um, is right. There's it, everything that they both did while they knew it was wrong and they did enjoy it filled a, 
a void. Right. Fill, fill the space. And, you know, and Wood being the pathological narcissist, she has the need and everything to control and be above everything. Right. Whereas the borderline personality, they're more submissive because they have self-image problems and all that the, other the, they stuff. They want to be accepted. So therefore, having this person who's larger than life accept you. Right. You know, like I said, at the, like I said at the beginning, I believe Graham finally found what she desperately wanted. This person who's larger than life accepting her. Right, she got to be one of the cool kids. Exactly. And then you have the pathological narcissist in Wood, so their their relationship was toxic from the beginning, and it came at a very steep price. One lady is serving five consecutive life terms, and she was <laughs> convicted when she was in her 20s, so that's a long-ass time. No kidding. Because she loved this woman and wanted to be loved by this woman. Jamie Christmas. Yeah. So okay, that's about all the time that we have. Yeah, that's that's about it. And like I said, if if you know these people and know how we can reach out to them or you are these people and want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com or go on to www.twistedbluellc.com. Oh, almost forgot the dot com. Almost. Click Click on Brutal Nation, and uh, there's a uh, page where you can send us an email right. and, and contact us there. Yeah, and stay tuned tomorrow for our, we're doing a would-be killer Wednesday. We're featuring a child. Yes, we yes. are. That's what I get to do. You do get to do that one. Yeah, I don't have much information on her because there wasn't much to be had, but it is definitely interesting. It is worth a listen. We want to thank you guys for joining us uh, today. And I uh, hope you guys stay tuned. This has been a production of Twisted Blue Productions. Copyright 2021. See you guys soon. Bye.